Hi, this is Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th ESC. And on today's episode of the Every Soldier Counts podcast, we have a great conversation with the command team from 6th Ordnance Battalion, Lieutenant Colonel Brad May and Command Sergeant Major Pearl Reader Hensley. And we talk about the unique mission of 6th Ordnance Battalion and what it takes to be an ammunition soldier. So stay with us right here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today the story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines, the Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome once again to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast, recording here on Camp Henry, South Korea, I am Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, the Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And our guest today is the command team for 6th Ordnance Battalion, and that is Command Sergeant Major Pearl Reader Hensley and Lieutenant Colonel Brad May. Both of you, thank you for joining us in studio here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. It's a great pleasure. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know we start with kind of a getting to know you question. So, sir, I'll start with you. Uh, what can you tell us about your military background and uh, how you came to join the Army? So uh, I'll just start out with uh, I am from uh, Arvada, Colorado, which is a suburb of uh, Denver uh, there in, in the Rocky Mountains. Um, I, I joined the Army at a, at a young age of 19. Um it went in as a uh, signal uh, a specialist, uh, multi-systems channel operator, 31 Mike, uh, what they used to call it, uh, nowadays referred to as a 25 uniform. Um, spent some time in the uh, enlisted force, uh, about eight years. Uh, during that time, uh, got my uh, college degree at Colorado State University, and, um, and then went through uh, commissioning in OCS at uh, Fort Benning. Uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, luckily for me, coming out of Fort Benning, Georgia, I was no longer a signal uh, in the Signal Corps. The uh, Army thought I should have a career in transportation, and they uh, branched me uh, transportation. All right, great. And so you're a Rams fan, Colorado State Rams, sir, right? Of course right? I am, yeah. All During right. the uh, time I was there, the uh, Freedom Bowl was actually a, a thing. We were actually winning then, unlike uh, now. <laughs> true, true. And Sergeant Major, uh, same question to you. Um, so I entered the military initially in 1997 as a medical, um, had a break in service after six and a half years of service, uh, decided to come back in after a three-year break and became an ordnance soldier as an 89 Bravo and been there since. Um, had some college, have a family, some children, so just, you know, loving the Army life right now. Okay, and so a three-year break in service, our major. So, what, what was there something that told you like I got to go back? Like did you miss something that made you miss it? So yeah, I was in a big corporation, uh, pretty much a car assembly corporation, GMC. If you are familiar with the Atlanta area, they were closing down their shop, and you know, going from military life and working with your peers and your subordinates and your leaders. You pretty much begin a family. 
Um, when they were breaking down and saying, hey, we're shutting the shop down, moving it to Milwaukee, I was like, no, thank you. If I'm going to move to a place like that, I'm going to be back in the military. So that's when I just said, you know what, I miss it. I miss the home feeling, the family feeling. So I just decided to come back in. All right, that music means it is time for our 50-meter target questions. Well, we used to call it the speed round or the lightning round, but we're emphasizing quality over speed now with, with, with the answers. So um, th- these are kind of fast and quick questions, kind of offbeat, more biographical ones. So, uh, sir, we'll start with you. Is there a cadence in the Army that you know word for word you'd never forget? Wow. <clears throat> in the early morning rain... I think is one that comes to mind. I don't know if I could even say the whole thing right now, but I do remember that. Okay. I, I don't know if I know that one. I'll have to look that up. So, Major, how about you? So, mine is the go-to to start off my cadence is always Captain Jack. Hey, hey, Captain Jack. That was always my go-to start. Get me in the rhythm. So, it's always going to be one of my go-tos, and I know word for word. And that, I could remix it all the time. That's my personal favorite as well. Um, so stay with staying with you, Sergeant Major. Is there a job in the Army that you wish you could have tried, or maybe if you had another when you came back that second time, maybe you should have uh, given it a shot? So the second time, um, giving a shot at a job, I think um, if there was one, I wish infantry was open to females when I came back in because that's definitely one I would have went into. And I'm too old now, so I'm not going to put my Ranger packet in. But that would have been a career choice I would have made at that young age. Yes. Wow, interesting. Hey, sir, same question to you. So I, I had a little taste of uh, the Signal Corps as an enlisted soldier. I would tell you the one thing that I'm a little bit not disappointed but uh, wish I would have tried is to be a Signal Officer and uh, to actually be, uh, you know, an S6. Uh, you know, I'm sure my S6 is listening right now uh, thinking that's probably something that I, he didn't want me to say, but uh, I've always wanted to, to dive in that realm. All right, next question. Um, staying with you, sir. So you made the, the trek from Carroll to, to Henry. Sometimes that's, that's not the most pleasant drive with traffic. What is the worst traffic you've experienced in, in your career where, where you've been? The, the worst traffic I've ever been in is on the 405. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Southern California, that uh, when it takes you almost 45 minutes to go six miles, it's pretty painful. Sorry, Major, how about you? So um, the worst track I've ever been in was my first day on the job here in Korea, um, six ordinance. So I left on Friday evening about 17.30 from the office trying to get back to Camp Walker. It took me over two hours. First of all, I got lost, made the wrong exit, had to turn back around, <laughs> try to figure things out. So I think this was my worst experience. Two hours to go, 45 minutes is rough. Mm-hmm. All right, staying with you, Sergeant Major, uh, we've had a fairly mild winter this year. I think we haven't had that bad for Korea standards. But what's the coldest duty station or or duty assignment you've been at? Hands down, Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, Doing an exercise in December, first week of December, I literally thought my fingers were going to freeze off. So I would say Colorado. Sir, how about you? Do you have a bad winter in your career? I have, a, I have a good story about a bad winter uh, here in Korea, actually, uh, 1993, uh, PFC Brad May on top of a, a hill right outside of Seoul uh, running a retrans station um, in where I thought it was a good idea to stoke the fire of our potbelly stove in our tent. Um, I will tell you, not a good idea. Your tent will burn down 
and then you will be forced to be cold. And I will tell you, in January, uh, up north of Seoul, is really, really cold. And uh, that's by far my worst experience. An early leadership test for you. Very very early (laughs) leadership challenge, for sure. Okay, staying with you, sir. um, We're still relatively in the new year. Um, Do you have a personal goal for 2021? So, you know, uh, my personal goal... um, personal goal is to treat everybody with a little bit more um, compassion uh, because I'm, I'm learning uh, that everybody has a story. Everybody has a, um, everybody has a demon and everybody carries those, uh, those weights differently. And I think we need to remember that as we interact with uh, people in our daily lives. Okay. Excellent. Sarah Major, how about you? So a personal goal I have is to do another marathon. I've been slacking for a couple years, um, but before the summer's over, my goal is to run a marathon here. On my own pace, by myself, hit a marathon. And hopefully we'll be at the right HP con where that's allowed to happen. Yes, let's hope for that. Well, good luck to both of you on those goals. Um, We're going to take a break now. We'll come back, kind of get into the meat and potatoes of what 6th Ordnance Battalion does right here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Hey, this is Mass Sergeant Savage with the 19th ESC Retention Team. I am the Senior Retention Operations NCO, and you know, one of the main questions I always get asked is, when can I re-enlist? And that's a great question. With the current policy that we're having, the re-enlistment window, the eligibility to re-enlist, is from 15 months from your ETS date. And that's a little tricky overseas because we have DRO states, but if you're 15 months from your ETS date, you're eligible to re-enlist. The only other way is if you are on orders to a location where you do not have enough time to PCS. If you have more questions about re-enlistment or if you have questions about your career, duty stations, change in MOSs, hit us up at DSN 315-763-4013 or you can find us on our Facebook page. That's 19th ESC Retention Team. We're back here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast with the command team of 6th Ordnance Battalion, Colonel May and Sergeant Major Reader Hensley. Um, so when we had Colonel No in here earlier, he was he mentioned 6th Ord, how it's, it bears a unique distinction in the Army. You, you just don't see a, an Ordnance Battalion much these days, or, or at all, really. Right, sir? So, so Colonel No is very correct. Um, you do see Ordnance Battalions uh, in the Army, and they're typically focused on maintenance um, what you don't see in the Army is an ammunition battalion, which 6th Ordnance is the only uh, you know, operational uh, ammunition battalion uh, in the entire Army. Um, our, um, our mission is very unique, uh, unique here in Korea uh, to the Korean Peninsula, where you know, our, um, our, our mission is to maintain, issue, and store all of U.S. Uh, munitions here on the peninsula. Um, and, and we do that with a uh, combination of three ordnance companies and uh, one HHD uh, spread all the way from the northern tip of Korea all the way down uh, to, the, to the southern tip here in Area 4. And so had either of you worked in ammunition that much before you came to Six Ord? I'm going to turn that over to the expert over here on my left, uh, my battle buddy, Sergeant Major. 
So um, the unique thing is I am an 89 Bravo, so I am ammunition by trade. Um, so working ammunition, I ran an ammunition company in Colorado, and we were fortunate at the time to have all of our soldiers actually doing ASP operation, which is our MOS, working through there. All green suitors, one civilian, and then some quasas doing our surveillance. So, yes, a lot of ammunition experience throughout my career. Um, the great thing about 6th Ordnance Battalion is it's an ammunition battalion that allows the soldiers to actually do their MOS. This is something unique that uh, is here in Korea, although in the States and even in Germany, they get to rotate through the ASPs, but they don't really get to do all the tangibles of their MOS. So the stock control, the ammunition um, specialist actually working in the, um, you know, the yard, basically is how we call it. So that's the one unique thing. And then we also have um, all levels. So we have the warrant officers, we have the officers, and then we have the enlisted. So it's a, it's a great unique ordnance battalion. Yeah, and something that makes us even more unique is our um, our Department of the Army Civilians, uh, which uh, Sergeant Major mentioned, Quasis, uh, which is our surveillance control for for ammunition, um, as well as our Korean National Employees, which I think we'll get it a little bit later, but they are absolutely essential uh, to our daily mission here on the peninsula. And we couldn't really we couldn't do this without them. Um, I will tell you that on, on top of all the things that Sergeant Major talked about, um, we also uh, dive in um, the retrograde, uh, which is a big piece of, of uh, the mission here is the retrograde as well as the demilitarization of munitions here on the peninsula. And in layman's terms, that means we can blow it up right here with uh, supervision, and it's kind of fun, and our soldiers have actually have a pretty good time doing that. And uh, both you mentioned Quasis. Is that a acronym? Could you expand on that a little bit? So it is an uh, it is an acronym. Um, it basically stands for uh, Quality Assurance and Surveillance um, for Ammunition. It's that one person that gives you eyes on the ground to make sure we're following the rules, the regulations um, of everything uh, that deals with Class Five or ammunition. And Sergeant Major, going back to what you said about the MOS skills, like ammunition is obviously a critical component of so many things that happen in the army and it is also you know explosive so what are, what are some of the the skills that go into you know the training to be an ammunition specialist so some some basic skills are identifying what the munition is um, understanding how to separate it segregate it by its class classification um, also how to store it how to document it and then you also have our alphas what is our soft control um, they're the ones that go into the system, making sure that all our numbers, lot numbers, um, quantities and everything are tracking based on what the Army's saying we have in that system or in that ASP. Um, so anywhere from array of, you know, working with MHE, which is your forklifts, your wretches. So this is all part of that skill set. Um, they get to learn that in AIT. They bring it to us, and then we continue to hone on that um, specific uh, qualifications and licensing for them. So anything that deals with ammunition from storing, issuing, receiving, actually surveillancing because our um, SLC graduates, they're allowed to do surveillance just like Quasas, so they could do that. Um, so anything from the beginning of receiving it all the way to issuing it and to re um, getting it back, checking condition codes, making sure it's safe. And, and something we've recently implemented, you know, between the Sergeant Major and I uh, amongst our whole battalion is to leverage the knowledge 
um, of our Korea national uh, population in our workforce. So we've, we've implemented a, a training program through our SPO to where we, we partner up our soldiers and monitor their training with those Korean nationals and uh, actually are um, annotating that in uh, the DTMS system to where we can enhance the knowledge of those 89 alphas and bravos uh, and, and quantitate that as they will eventually move on to their next job and will have the skills needed, you know, for the next, for the next position. And uh, what can you tell me about your relationship with the rock army in Korea, so, sir? So, you know, when, uh, I, I quickly learned upon, you know, change of command, um, I got here and, and had some, um, KLEs as we uh, talk about, uh, key leader engagements, uh, within my first day of command, I, I had an engagement uh, with our uh, ca- counterparts up at 83, which is up near um, Camp Humphreys. Uh, so my relationship with the, the ROC or a- Ammo Depot commanders uh, is critical uh, to both coordination for my soldiers that actually work uh, on that installation as the only uh, U.S. Uh, contingent on a, on a ROC base. Uh, so having those relationships, those uh, understandings of, you know, partnership uh, is very important. And I, I make an effort, uh, Sergeant Major and I both make an effort to, to get out there, visit, um, and collaborate with our uh, uh, rock, uh, rock counterparts. And, um, one of the other things uh, that we do with the Rock Army is we actually work closely with them, especially during our retrograde. Um, soldiers are working with soldiers of the Rock Army. So we have to build that relationship. And so they come together, they do their mission, and they continue to be friends because we have to have that relationship with them and they understand the Army, U.S. Army, and then we understand Rock Army because it is different in how they work and versus how we work. We're on their installation, so we have to follow their, you know, house rules and then teach them some of the stuff that we know. So it's really a unique uh you know, opportunity for our soldiers to get there and work with a different country's army. So this is not something that's a normal thing. So this is and how do you think that affects like job satisfaction or maybe soldier development too, being in, in that unique position, Sergeant Major? So I think it, I think it affects it tremendously. So one, you have the appreciation to know that how great we have it in the U.S. Army because they get to see the daily interactions with those Rock Army soldiers and their leaders. So they learn like, wow. U.S. Army is amazing. And then the other thing is um, understanding different countries and how they work and what their culture is. It's, it's tremendously a great opportunity for our soldiers to get to see that and then take it back with them and build on that culture, learning them, respecting them, understanding them. So, and then they take it back to their states and teach the rest. So I think this is an, an amazing opportunity for them. I'll piggyback on that just a little bit. I'll tell you, I was talking with some soldiers um, the other day about the uniqueness of the battalion uh, being the only ammunition battalion in the Army. And I will tell you, amongst our 89 uh, population, which is almost all of it, um, they are extremely proud uh, to be assigned to the 6th Ordnance Battalion um, as the Army's only uh, ammunition. Because when they leave here, they have a little bit of bragging rights about, hey, I was in Korea in the only ammunition battalion, and guess what? I know stuff, you know. So. <laughs> and, sir, you mentioned uh, retrograde as part of your mission. How, how would you explain that to, uh, like, a civilian family member? So, uh, so retrograde is basically taking things that have expired 
um, and taking them to somewhere where they can either be disposed of or they can be retrofitted into something that you can use again. And we do that um, by taking stuff, um, you know, from different, all of our different ammo depots from north and, and south and basically putting them on a, on a vessel uh, down in Busan, uh, uh, partnering up with our SDDC teammates down there in 837th and, uh, and take them to places where they can, uh, you know, be re- retrofitted or, or disposed of uh, either in CONUS or other places around the world. And so we talked about your, your mission and kind of your organization. Um, let's talk about the soldiers uh, within that organization. So one of the campaigns right now in the Army is people first. So how, how does, what do you think of that phrase and, that, and how that fits into your, your leadership philosophy? So I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, and, and Sergeant Major can, can talk about this um, uh, what, in conjunction with me as well. But, you know, people first. So I, I have a, a saying uh, in my command philosophy that uh, takes some explaining sometimes, but a uh, positive command climate you know, equals mission accomplishment. Um, so taking care of your people um, doesn't mean just being their, their best friend, right? Taking care of your people means that your people are resourced, your people are trained, uh, that your people are cared for uh, in all aspects of, of soldier. And I think that's what the, the Army is getting after with, with people first, is making sure we take care of our holistic uh, of people. And I totally agree. So people first, in my opinion, is, you know, it's not just a number like a lot of people say. I know people hear, um, oh, we're just another number. No, you are part of our Army. You are a people we are going to put you first. We're going to make sure you're ready to fight tonight. We're going to make sure that you are on top of it. So getting after training, getting after their readiness, getting after their qualifications, anything that they need to ensure that they're ready for the mission. And not only them, their families, because that's part of our organization, is the family members of our soldiers. So it's people total first. And I'll tell you, people first uh, really kind of dives in even deeper to what the Army is talking about nowadays with uh, strength and diversity, right? So people first, uh, people first, people matter, and everybody gets a vote, right? Um, something that we're pushing in our, our battalion is uh, along those lines is know your rights campaign. Um, and in order to have a voice, uh, in order to be heard, you have to know your rights, uh, whether that dives into equal opportunity, whether it dives into uh, sexual harassment uh, prevention, uh, you have to know your rights in order to be heard. So that's something that we're um, uh, pushing in our battalion to where every soldier actually can have a voice and, and, and know that they matter. And staying on the diversity topic, Sergeant Major, you mentioned earlier that you wish you could have joined infantry, enlisted in infantry when you came in. What's can you provide maybe your perspective on where the how far the army has come in that respect? You know, in in your career. Oh yeah, so definitely. Um, so never would I have imagined when I came in the army that I w- that I would see a female amongst the rangers, amongst the special forces in those combat units. Um, it was just not seen and not heard of. It was more like you go over there, you do this job. I remember going to JRTC as a young sergeant and being told that I could not go into the box yet. Because this commander did not want the female to distract his soldiers. Like, what do you mean? I'm just the medic. I'm trying to help. I want to make sure they're good and they're fit. And then I see it now. It's like, wow, we have changed our whole culture, allowing females to be amongst them ranks. Um, Yes, I wish I was in it because, you know, that's the front line. Who does not want to be on the front line? 
Um, who does not want to challenge themselves? Who does not want to put their life on the line for our country that we love? So we have completely changed our outlook on how females can fit in. And we've got some pretty strong females out there that are getting after it. Makes me proud every day. Wish I was back 20s, you know. Not going to happen now, but wishing I was back in the 20s. So I'm, I'm very happy and um, proud of the Army and their change. So I, I'll tell you right now, she's not going to brag on herself, um, but I will. So Sergeant Major Reader Hensley um, is the first uh, CSL-selected command Sergeant Major of the 6th Ordnance Battalion, uh, which is pretty proud. I looked on the wall the other day of the, you know, the legacy Sergeant Majors, and uh, having her in the battalion as the, the first uh, female, um, on top of that, the first uh, Latin American female uh, as a command-selected uh, you know, command sergeant major is, is pretty impressive. So I'm real proud that she's here with me on, by my side. I appreciate that, sir. And we also wanted to talk about just the uh, the Korea experience here um, being assigned here in Area Four. So, um, what's what's something you would tell someone maybe is a um, they wouldn't know about being stationed in Korea? You know, what, what's something you've enjoyed here during your time? Well, I would I would say it's it's not HP Con Charlie. Um, that was something that I had to deal with coming here right off the bat was, uh, coming in, uh, you know, late May, early June during, uh, what is COVID? You know, what is HB Con Charlie? Well, a lot of challenges there. So, but what I can tell you from being in Korea, uh, just on my initial take is the people in Korea, the Korean people are very accommodating, um, and, and they're very, um, the willingness to make sure that you're taken care of is noted up on arrival. And that was something I took away. So with me, it's um, my second time here in a few years. So I was here back in 2017 to um, 2018. As soon as I was here the first time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I did not expect it. From coming here back in 2003 to now, it was a big gap. I was like, wow, this is really different compared to what I thought it was going to be. Um, I was able to go shopping. I was able to live my life like normal. So this is probably one of the preferred duty stations, in my opinion. And then coming back, yeah, HP Con Charlie, eh, not the greatest um, thing that you would like to come into, but it's, it's a pandemic, and it's all over the world. So I would say that when you do get here, you have to enjoy the culture. You have to get and emerge yourself into it. Go out there, experience, you know, do those uh, um, Hannah, what is it, Hannah? Uh, Hana tours. Hana tours. Right. Get into that. Do it. Um, get yourself out your comfort zone. Get off the base. Go enjoy it. They're very um, pleasing, and they want to come, and they want to teach you, but you got to go and look for it. You can't just sit in your room. Enjoy the country. It's beautiful. Very true. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. With that. And I was here also in 2017, yeah, and I was just here by myself, though, so now I've got my, my family with your, back here with me, and so I, that, that's made it all the more better, you know, having them with me. Yes, I'll, I'll tell you something I'm pretty proud of about our battalion. So our, our battalion is uh, he- headquartered at Camp Carroll, right, which is uh, in Wagwan, which is not a- near <laughs> Camp Henry or Daegu, right? Um, so something unique to my battalion is I have a very special, uh, unique relationship with the, the governor of, uh, of Wagwan and the surrounding community and where, you know, my, my battalion, my uh, subordinate companies have very unique um, partnerships to where we we help the our community with you know picking up trash uh, in the neighborhood, helping out at the soup kitchen, 
uh, helping out at the, the homeless shelter. Uh, I have a, an agreement, a friendship agreement with the uh, local middle school and where we, we do reading exchanges and uh, Korean English uh, enhancements. Um, and then it's just a really good, uh, good relationship and it, it builds all of us. And sir, uh, my introduction to your unit was on the, uh, the staff ride up to Hill 303, another example of your, your partnership there. So, yeah, something uh, really that we're proud of is our, our relationship with the uh, Korean War uh, Veterans Association here in South Korea and our partnership with the city of Wagwan and, um, and Hill 303, which is a, a whole other history lesson in itself. But I was real fortunate, you know, that uh, the Team 19 asked uh, asked Bullet Nation to, to lead up a staff ride that, that uh, laid out the historical battlefield and some lessons learned. Uh, that the United States and 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 Korea had from the, during the Korean War and the significance of Hill 303. Which, if you get a chance to do it and you're here in Wagwan, go hike up to the top of Hill 303. Not only will you sweat, but uh, you can get up there and see a very unique memorial that the Sixth Ordnance Battalion has placed up on top of the on top of the hill. And I believe the uh, the observance tower is is open up there as well now. Yep, it is uh, officially open as of about three weeks ago. Um, they've got it fully lit up at night to where the top is a uh, burning flame, and uh, it's really it's really pretty neat. Uh, something we want to close with is uh, another thing that's at the forefront, kind of of the army right now, is in the wake of the Fort Hood report and just the way forward of creating a, a positive culture and combating um, sexual harassment, sexual assault. So anything you want to offer on that, how you're addressing that within your ranks? So I would begin with, um, we have really opened it up to mutual trust. I think mutual trust will kind of gear our way of how we're approaching it. So we have to be able to have mutual trust amongst all leaders, all soldiers within all ranks, even our civilian population. So once we have that mutual trust between us, they, they know that we're here to protect them to you know, make sure that the things that are happening within the battalion, even within Camp Carroll, period, um, is you know right. And we're trying to make sure that they understand where to get the help, who to call, who to contact. It's posted everywhere. We do have a lot of leader um, engagements with the soldiers. Um, we do have our talking sessions where we let them come talk to us and just speak um, freely. Um, but I think honing in on that mutual trust because if they don't trust me to come talk to me we have a problem so i think what my one word one thing is mutual trust yeah 100 percent uh right and that, that kind of gets into our know your rights uh campaign that we have within our battalion um something that i've seen that's, that's very successful uh, on this front uh, to making sure that soldiers know that that they're that you're trusted as a leader and that they're trusted as a subordinate um, and that everyone has a safe place to work in. Uh, something that's been really effective is small group one-on-one conversations, um, kind of on a spur of the moment, just stopping a soldier in the hallway and say, how do you feel about this? Or how do you feel about this? And what's going on in your world right now? And having a, a one-on-one intimate conversation, you, you know, about um, the soldier's interaction in the unit. Um, really trying to empower uh, them and, and, and their, their beliefs and, and make sure they're in line with the unit uh, direction and the unit beliefs. So um, that, that's something that we're, we're striving to do. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we are trying to eradicate the discrimination within the battalion. And, and I, I think we've done a, 
a great job um, of it uh, since we had the Fort Hood report come out. You know, we, we were lucky enough to have, uh, you know, Colonel No and um, his team come out and kind of go through the report with us uh, at a leader standpoint and, and go you know, line by line and say, hey, this is what happened. What can we do to make sure we don't fall into that bucket one day? Great. And um, anything we didn't cover you guys want to, we forgot about that you want to hit? Hmm. I don't know, Sergeant Major. I mean, other than, than commanding the coolest battalion in the Army, I don't know what else I could really say. Yeah, I totally agree with him. This is probably the best opportunity. Um, very proud to be here. Very proud to be part of the organization. Um, absolutely grateful that I have an awesome uh, battle buddy. Um, we are going to take this to no limits. So I'm excited. And if you want to keep up with all the happenings at Six Ord, uh, follow Six Ordnance Battalion on Facebook. Yeah, yeah we, have on a, Facebook. we have a great link. We have an active uh, UPAR. Uh, thanks to your folks, um, and they're they're on it and they're they're updating daily. Well, I want to thank you both again for joining us, uh, Sergeant Major Reader Hensley, Lieutenant Colonel May. Thanks for joining us here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. We'll talk to you next time. All right, thanks. <laughs> thanks again for listening on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss one episode. We'll talk to you next time on the Every Soldier Counts podcast.